Welcome to another episode of VH Yes, the show where we revisit the top movies of our formative years. Each episode, we watch and discuss the top grossing film from that week 21 years prior, what's changed about our viewing experience, and what hasn't. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Cassie. And joining us this week is a very special guest, our dear friend slash Cassie's husband, Devin. Hello. Hi. So this week, we're discussing seven, or... Set seven N <laughs> <laughs> rolls off the tongue. It's important to get the numeral in there. So seven N came out in wide release on <laughs> September twenty second, nineteen ninety five, and stayed number one at the box office for three consecutive weeks, earning nearly fourteen million dollars in its first weekend. So compare that to nine million for Two Wong Fu and twenty three point two million for Mortal Kombat. For context, <laughs> somewhere in between. Yeah, uh, another movie that opened this week. Showgirls. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Equally depressing. Yeah, I've never watched it. Um, yeah. it's been, For different reasons. It's been coming a lot up a lot in the RuPaul Drag Race averse a lot lately. Like, oh, boy. Yeah, I heard an interview with Katya where she was talking about it a lot. And in a good way or a bad way? Both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like they were, they were reading the actual screenplay and it sounds... Really good Awful? to make fun of. It sounds fun to make fun of. <laughs> yes, yes. It sounds real bad. That is accurate. But uh, this film, Seven, let's call it Seven for simplicity's sake, even though I'd like to note that the technical name is Seven N. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is directed by David Fincher, who at this point in his career had mostly directed music videos, including, uh, get this, Madonna's Express Yourself and Paul. Express Yourself. Yes. Sorry. And Paula Abdul's Cold Hearted, that other, also known at, by everyone in the universe as Cold Hearted Snake, but apparently yes. its technical name is Cold Hearted. Yeah, he's had a strange career. There, there are a lot of different <laughs> entries in his collection. Uh, it seems like <laughs> a natural progression to me. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. Like once I dug into this, so anyone who knows anything or like recognizes the name of David Fincher probably knows that he directed Fight Club. Um mm-hmm. Maybe people also know that he directed The Social Network, the Facebook movie. Right, right, um, right. But he also did Benjamin Button. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. that guy can and will direct anything. And <laughs> mm-hmm. usually does He's got really, a range. Yeah. Usually yeah. does a really good job. Like, uh, Express Yourself and Cold Hearted are really good music videos. I mean, yeah. people may know him pretty well nowadays, I feel like, because of House of Cards. He sort of started that show. Or the Netflix version of it and set the tone and style of it a bit. Yeah, I also didn't realize that that was him. Well, I think the first few episodes, yeah. Got a lot to say about men and power. Mm-hmm. And gray monochromatic color schemes. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, but none perhaps as gross as this movie. Except Except for Benjamin Button, I would say that <laughs> <laughs> Benjamin Button is every bit as grotesque as fight as a it's gray seven and edits worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's truly disturbing that movie. <laughs> okay, so this movie also stars Brad Pitt um, in his first role after shearing off his long silky locks. Oh um, yep. no! Pre- you think uh, way uh, back post Legends of the Fall? Yeah. Yeah, if you think back to 1995. Uh, 
most yeah most people associated Brad Pitt with his beautiful silky mane. Mm. Also, Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Kevin Spacey, who's probably best known for Nine Lives. <laughs> uh, another house of cards uh member who has yeah. gone on to do wonderful things with movies like nine lives uh, he's really <laughs> traded in his i haven't seen it yet it's on my list we but... need to see it though yeah. it looks great a modern masterpiece oh definitely he's using every bit of his character actor chops in <laughs> i'm guessing i also have only seen the commercial he's a cat <laughs> yep <laughs> A grumpy one. Garfield-esque. So let's just, uh, let's tell people in case you haven't seen, uh, in case you haven't seen Seven, uh, here's what the back of the box says. Two cops, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, track a brilliant and elusive killer who orchestrates a string of horrific murders, each kill targeting a practitioner of one of the seven deadly sins. Gwyneth Paltrow also stars in this acclaimed thriller set in a dour, drizzly city sick with pain and blight. <laughs> David Fincher guides the action, physical, mental, and spiritual, with a sure understanding of what terrifies us, right up to a stunning denouement that will rip the scar tissue off the most hardened soul. <laughs> Someone had a lot of fun writing that description. Seriously. <laughs> Seems like the author of the screenplay might have written <laughs> the back of the box description it's himself. It's definitely possible. There's a lot going on. I like that the, the city gets its due as a character. Because yeah. mm. you can't really appreciate Seven without noting that dour, drizzly city sick with pain and blight. Mm, that's true. <laughs> I, I don't think drizzly quite does it justice though because <laughs> it's a full-on pour yeah, it's a perpetually damp movie. city buckets yes. buckets of rain pouring yeah. from the sky at any mm -hmm. given moment yeah you might think that it's seattle but it's also a short drive from freaking desert so <laughs> yeah actually... i was trying to figure out what city it was it was actually like i know it's supposed to portray like new york city or los angeles but i think i don't think it has a name or it anything doesn't in the yeah, movie. call I think it it's out, just though. the city yeah. i think it's intentionally vague yeah exactly yeah. it's mm -hmm. like just the city and brad pitt and his wife uh, mills and his wife tracy are just from upstate just like mm -hmm. someplace <laughs> where you just know that they have like Apple festivals, and <laughs> they were probably homecoming king and queen. I mean, this is some rural propaganda right here. This is where <laughs> dreams go to die in this city. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. <laughs> I like how Morgan Freeman repeatedly asks Brad Pitt, like his first question is, why did you come here? I've never <laughs> known anyone to request a transfer to here. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and brad pitt asked like wow that was a weird question for him to ask what was that about like get off my case yeah it's like the same situation as in a haunted house movie where the neighbors will be like <laughs> why did you buy this house like, meanwhile ghosts and shit are pouring out of the goddamn windows <laughs> people are literally being nest. stabbed down the street it's got character yeah a lot of character and such a bargain so to start off uh uh, Devin, we'll get to you, but Cassie, <laughs> had you seen this movie before? Oh, I, yes, uh, I had seen this movie. How many times? <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, more than is definitely healthy for an individual to have watched this particular movie. Um, all of you know, but just for our listeners, both Cassie and I watched this movie far too much for for 12 year old girls to be watched <laughs> well i would be worried about anyone who actively watched this movie that many times but it's yeah. especially jarring that that we were doing so uh at at the time yeah at 12 years old and and i would watch it by myself like it's not like i was in a social setting where you know oh let's yeah. all watch seven mm, okay <laughs> no i'm alone in my room <laughs> yeah hey i think i'll watch seven that sounds like a fun thing to do yeah maybe you did the same thing i did where i would just get home from school and put a movie on so maybe it was mm-hmm. the hunchback of notre dame or <laughs> you know whatever gone with yeah, the maybe. wind or maybe seven. it was one of those options more often Actually, than not it was seven <laughs> it was it was similar, but I put movies on when I was going to bed for like background noise. I remember so, that. yeah, so Seven would like lull me into to dreamland, which maybe that's why I had weird dreams. So you've as a you've child. been programmed as a murderer since twelve twelve years old. No, you're eventually just going to get triggered, and you're just going to kill me in my sleep in some mm. horrific, gruesome manner. But it'll it'll have meaning. Yeah. Rest assured. I mean, it'll, it'll be part of a, a a grand plan to demonstrate oh, life's it's, meaninglessness. It's gonna be dripping with meaning. No. <laughs> Make sure you get a bucket. Uh. No, I think if either of us are going to murder uh, one another in <laughs> in our sleep in a uh, Dante esque way, it would be the English major sitting next to me right now. Yeah. So many English major call-outs just spoke to me, you know, and all yeah. the mm-hmm. horrific ways that people kill one another and mm-hmm. all throughout literature. Yeah. You could come up with something much more clever than I could. Yeah. Yeah, the perfect contrapasso. Just the actual <laughs> technical I don't term. know what that word means. Yeah, so contrapasso is um, the name specifically in Dante, uh, in the Inferno and Purgatorio, for... Um, a punishment for your sin that you know fits that sin so for example in the inferno the gluttonous are punished by sort of moiling and drowning in the waste that they consumed through their lives Mm, wonderful Mm. it makes sense sort of like making a guy eat spaghetti until he dies a little more elegant perhaps (laughs) (laughs) Spaghetti with like canned pizza sauce too. Mm. That's the good stuff. All right, yeah. To go on off on a little tangent, they note <laughs> that um, there's a receipt in one of the bags. So John Doe left while he was torturing this gluttonous man to go buy more food. However, when Somerset goes into the fridge, there are like there's like a full package of frozen burritos. Burritos. I noticed those burritos too. It was all over those burritos. Bean and cheese. <laughs> Maybe John Doe is into burritos. He gets hungry, too. So those were his personal burritos? Yeah, maybe. He kept them there just in case. Yeah, so he had, like, an extra stock, and the guy wound up dying before he could get to the burritos, or at least get through the burritos. (laughs) I'm mostly amused just imagining John Doe standing there eating a microwavable burrito while he he does these awful things to this person. Uh, I've never seen refrigerated burritos. They were always frozen. Yeah, well... Yeah, that was another thing that 
John Doe is a monster. So either it's a plot hole or being very well thought out, John Doe is independently wealthy. He probably hasn't ever had uh, frozen burritos, Mm. maybe not even any burritos in his life. Ah, glaring, glaring, gigantic plot hole. Mm -hmm. Burrito sized. (laughs) So Devin, had you seen this movie way back when you were an impressionable youth? Um, I have seen it several times, yes. Several? Uh, several. Ha! There you go. <laughs> On topic. So um, several rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you left out the, the numeral seven in the middle of that one. Sorry. Um yeah, no, I'm kind of I'm kind of a murder mystery junkie. I, I just like a lot of this stuff. Um I don't know. It's it's sort of calming to me in a way to, to I don't know, kind of get down and dirty with these sorts of stories and then come back to the real world and maybe things aren't as awful as they seem. <laughs> By comparison. By comparison, everything is great. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good take on the sort of catharsis in this movie because within the frame of the movie, it's sort of portrayed as like, this is what life's really like. It's like Brad right. Pitt is so idealistic and his dreams are shattered by the harsh reality. But the reality in the movie is... I, I, I hope it's not naive to say the reality in the movie is worse than actual reality for most oh, people. Yeah, Definitely. I would yeah. I would say so. I mean, the, the movie City is, is set up to be the most disturbing, awful place that anyone can live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a Sodom type of place, only where... Basically, yeah. It yeah. had kind of a Blade Runner vibe. Like in Blade Runner, it's... A depressing yeah. cyberpunk city and it's raining mm-hmm. all the time perpetually yeah that's maybe but, what i was thinking of yeah it's desaturated it's kind of brown it's sort of the sepia tone uh monochromatic it's pretty mm-hmm. cool the, the look of the movie is pretty cool overall yeah i like it too yeah i mean it's it's a really messed up movie but i mean the reason that we can all watch it multiple times is because it's very well done um, yeah. Not only the cinematography, but the performances by the actors and actress. Is, yeah, uh, it's just really a well-made good. movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I um, that was something I hadn't noticed when I was a kid. Wasn't really very discerning. Um, but yeah, me yeah, I was struck when I was rewatching it by how it's just an extremely solid detective movie. Yep. It's like eh, maybe maybe part of what I liked when I was younger was just how very clever it is or seemed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I used I yeah. used to love that kind of stuff, like detective novels and everything. I used to read Philip Marlowe all the time from Raymond Chandler. Uh and that was just that was my favorite thing ever. So when I this movie finally was available for me to see, I don't I can't remember if I tried to sneak into this or Fight Club. It kind of escapes me now, but um yeah just like it yeah what do you think of the detectives how do they stack up in the realm of fiction detectives or noir detectives no i would say somerset is sherlockian in Mm -hmm. his knowledge Mm -hmm. and breadth of of knowledge he's Uh, great yeah he's pretty great uh it's kind of a classic setup it's sort of a uh, i guess lethal weapon is is an okay comparison but um yeah, old yeah. guy. Yeah, you got the rookie. old seasoned guy and the rookie. That's a little, you know, a little trigger happy. But you know, his his emotions, his desire to get the job done, can kind of take them a little further than the more pragmatic half <laughs> of the partnership might. Because there's a scene, the scene that kind of epitomizes that. It's Somerset and Mills standing outside of John Doe's apartment, and 
Mills wants to go in immediately and kick the door down. Uh, Somerset doesn't so much, but you know, Mills, his desire to to find the murderer is just so strong that he just kicks the door down. Well, he's mad about it. Yeah, he's mad about it at that point, but really mad. Yeah, so Uh, I think they make a good team. They do eventually. They don't. They don't really get along at first, but uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, Brad Pitt's wife in the movie, kind of smooths things over between the two of them. That's her her role. In yeah. the beginning of the movie. Because she's just so charming. Yeah, she's just the living embodiedness of sweetness and light and <laughs> graciousness. And she's got a really pretty head. And we can't leave that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not no. in that place. Mm-hmm. No. No, it must I, be. I really enjoyed um, uh, the way that they represented Brad Pitt's uh, naivete and like how... Uh, how much of a rookie he was by putting him in the same tie throughout the movie. Did you notice that? It was the no, same tie. I didn't notice it was the that, same but that's awesome. Basketball themed <laughs> tie. It was like slam dunk themed and he wore it all the time. And when he would undress, he wouldn't, you know, undo it all the way. It would be, you know, still tied. It would just be loose so he could slip it on and off over his head. Brilliant. It's a pretty good character trait too to right? emphasize yeah. with him. Yeah, I like that. That is details. a really good touch. Mm-hmm. He re- he reads the cliffs notes. Mm-hmm. He's that's yeah. him. That's him in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. He's all right. Brad Pitt is one of those actors where I go back and forth all the time. Leonardo DiCaprio oh. is another one about like, is he a good actor or do I just think that? Be- yeah. I, I, I same tell. exact way. Yeah. yeah, I feel the same way about him. They really hit or miss. Mm-hmm. And. I still don't really have an answer to that question, but I do think this is a really great character, partly for touches like that. Like you guys mentioned a few uh, in the very beginning in his first conversation with Somerset, he says something like, oh, why you got to bust my balls? And then immediately after saying the word balls, he just kind of like chuckles like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it seems like that. I wonder if that's actually sort of Brad Pitt, like shining through a little bit. Like I could totally see him being a little bro like that. But Mm. yeah, yeah. But you can't, he's charming yeah. in that world. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, it doesn't matter if he's a good actor or not because he always delivers. Yeah. So you had mentioned, that, of course, that you have also seen this movie. Uh, what What did you think on, on rewatching it now? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I was kind of being a detective myself, I wanted to get to the bottom of why I liked this movie to start with. Um Obviously, Brad Pitt's really dreamy, but this isn't the natural uh, movie that a preteen girl would be drawn to if she just wanted to sort of ogle a boy. So, <laughs> nope. <laughs> and I'm I'm pretty sure what I must have liked about it was that it does seem really smart. Like Somerset goes to the library and he has all yeah. these literary references. And that's what I ultimately wound up really loving when I was an English majors, like mm-hmm. uh, in medieval and Renaissance art, everything has a meaning like, oh, why is this that color? Well, that's the color that this uh, saint is always associated with. Or um, why is this person uh, drowning in feces? Well, it's because they're a glutton. <laughs> <laughs> and this movie might have been one of the first times that I was exposed to that. So I was naturally very intrigued and drawn to it and rewatching I didn't, you know, that was probably my least favorite part of this movie because I've seen it done so much better. Um, Mm -hmm. This is itself like openly and, you know, John Doe is 
an imitator of that. Obviously, it's not going to be on the same level. Um, but I still, I still do think it was a very good movie. It was very good, especially for a detective movie or a crime movie. And um, I think it probably inspired a lot of copycat movie and TV plots. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah. At the time this came out, you didn't have. You didn't have SVU, you didn't have CSI, you didn't have uh, Criminal Minds. So there, I don't think that there was this level of like availability of TV plots with like, oh, this killer's got a weird fixation on this highfalutin thing. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not, yeah. And, you know, it's it's extremely well put together. So I, on the whole, you know, I'm not I'm not obsessed with it. I'd be okay if I went another, you know. 10 20 years without watching it again but i definitely enjoyed it yeah i could see that it i think probably before this movie there there weren't any cop or mysteries that really showed the messed up side mm. of i mean silence of the lambs preceded this that's silence true. Of the lambs was a really yeah. big deal that you can't talk about this movie up. without talking about silence of the well, lambs yeah this one is pretty heavily influenced yeah. by it especially the fact that it's basically all male characters and yeah you know, creepy creepy white guy systematically killing yeah yeah so that i definitely put those two they don't i think what i like about this movie and sounds of the lambs is that they don't really talk down to you they don't treat you the viewer like they're dumb um you know like they, they have those moments where they try to explain some mm -hmm. of the more literary aspects of what's going on in the movie just because they kind of have to have those aspects those mm -hmm. those scenes well you've got mills but, as a good surrogate exactly yeah. yeah he's he's a great surrogate for that kind of thing mm -hmm. um but it's like even in those scenes like the character of somerset isn't flaunting his knowledge to be superior he's flaunting his knowledge as a means of you know understanding what's going on in the situation yeah. uh, which is which is nice. Like he's trying to teach him and be to be observant, to be thoughtful. Uh, you know, and that's that's always nice when characters are actually sort of real in that regard. They're not action heroes that are just going to run through and stumble upon whatever evidence they need and that kind of thing. That, mm -hmm. Those are the kind of detective stories I don't really enjoy so mm -hmm. much. Yep. Yeah, this movie yeah. was a little convoluted at times. There were some convenient um con convenient coincidences like that the oh, fbi yeah. has this database where they're tracking people who check out <laughs> books literature <laughs> i think that is a real thing though that but, it was like, that it was certainly is now like dante's but... inferno are they really tracking that come on no i can see like a book on like nuclear warfare and like mm -hmm. mind kampf and stuff but not dante <laughs> Yeah, you never know. I mean, I think what they, I can't remember what exactly they said about it, but I thought he had checked out a bunch of other books that had, yeah, he had. to do with murdering people specifically. He had <laughs> checked out a bunch of books on murder investigations. Yeah, so I think ah. they cross-referenced, like, oh, this guy had checked out a bunch of murder books. Yeah. And also this guy checked out a bunch of literature having to do with the seven deadly sins. Yeah, so I guess the idea is once you check out how to commit murder, you get put on a list and then they just track <laughs> all of the books that you have. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it kind of makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I go to a library, go up to the librarian. Hey, hey, librarian, can you tell me how to how to murder somebody and get away with it? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's aisle 375. <laughs> and the fact that he is leading the police on this chase and ultimately wants to involve them in his crime 
uh, yeah, probably is why he checked out b- these books from the library instead of just buying them. Sure, I guess that part of it was probably the most unrealistic part of it, like mm-hmm. the them arriving the exact day to like to the year or whatever it was yeah, one day later the year to the day uh, of when mm-hmm. he had imprisoned the, the what was he for he was the sloth sloth guy. for sloth yeah it was <laughs> like like that kind of thing was sort of no, no, that was a little ridiculous but well, a little too perfect that was in, that was kind of within the fantasy of this of this movie i felt like it fit yeah for what was going on mm-hmm yeah, also, yeah, there there have to be coincidences. That's why you have a suspension of disbelief. But yeah. they're not so glaring in this one that they spoil the spoil the overall effect of the movie. Yeah, mm. no, I mean it has an operatic quality to it. This movie, like you know, they, they, all the characters are sort of types. Yeah, they're 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 heroes, you know, or they're distinct villains in that mm. regard. Um, they're not. Like we were talking about how they're more complex than a typical detective character, but they're still like, I like this movie a lot, but it's not the most complex film that's ever been mm. made um, in that regard. That said, I I remember um, back when I was a preteen watching this movie and actually being surprised by the twist ending. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah I yeah. know. I know Definitely. Devin usually can see things coming from a mile away when we're watching movies, and it's really irritating. But in this case, did you see it coming? When I first saw this movie? Yeah. I, I don't even know if I remember, but probably not. I mean... I mean, how do you see that coming? There's the one There's the one element that I always hear now, and it, this is totally looking back and thinking it. There's the one cop when John Doe, or when Mills and, and Somerset are going into the police station mm-hmm. and john doe fall- shows up shortly after mm-hmm. spoilers um that says your wife's been calling like repeatedly it's mm-hmm. just an offhand comment right as they go mm-hmm. in and in the timeline of the movie it was when john doe would have been there basically hmm. is this spoilers can we get into spoilers with this or yeah are yeah. all these are all these shows like all right spoiler like, just- assumed to our audience while we are recommending or not as the case may be that you check out these movies yourself uh these movies have been out for 21 years you've had your chance (laughs) fair game true very true if you don't want spoilers don't watch the episode yeah so there's that offhand comment from a police officer and it always strikes me as like that's the one thing that would give you some kind of preview as to what was going well, to yeah, happen after knowing what happens yeah you're on you're on the lookout for back it and yeah. pick out things right but... yeah but they don't really slather it on very thick like no, um there's that not. confrontation yeah. between mills and somerset where um somerset tells mills that his temper is a problem and mm. mills just says like i go with my emotions um, <laughs> i feed off of them yeah but it's not <laughs> like somerset overtly says your wrath will get you in trouble one of these days <laughs> which a lesser movie oh. might have done yeah, probably would have foreshadowed it explicitly. Yeah. Yeah. But um, just to note, with uh, now that you're pointing it out, with the that phone call, maybe it was um, maybe it was John Doe himself who was calling from the house. Oh yeah, definitely possible. Okay. Also, could have been the sort of thing he would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to just troll him to make sure. Well, to find out when they were getting back to the station too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So John Doe is is John Doe a type? Do you think that he's a stereotypical character? 
It's tough to say because we don't spend like we have a few minutes toward the end, but we don't actually spend that much time with him as a character. Mm, like we do see, see his notebooks. We see what he's done, and we see his notebooks. Yeah, we need uh, to read them a little bit. It's tough to say. I mean, he's conspiratorial. He he likes this whole charade. So I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of a movie that would with a villain that would be comparable. I guess Hannibal Lecter is sort of comparable. Yeah, like, definitely. It, they're, they're very similar theatricality to mm-hmm. what they like to do. Clearly uh, intelligent. Very intelligent, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's really a type so much. I'm trying to think of other examples outside of those two. Yeah, I think it's kind of a modern contrivance. The literate, adept, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's it's a modern killer for a modern age, you know. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um he has that line where he says, if you want people's attention, you can't just tap them on the shoulder anymore. And that's pretty prescient coming in 1995. It's yeah. like, you really need to get people's attention. And he has that conversation with Mills that's kind of surprising coming from Mills, where Mills just Mills is trying to reduce this guy, like whether <laughs> he wants to be reduced or not. Mills is just, yeah. just can't resist. Um, and he tells him, like, you know, in two weeks, people are going to forget about you. You're, you're a fucking T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, which probably is true. Like even yeah. taking into account everything that does happen. Um, eh, I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, David Fincher made that Zodiac movie a couple of years later, or maybe that was into the 2000s at that point. Zodiac mm-hmm. killer and that kind of thing. It, it persists. Yeah. But there's also a lot of serial killers that we don't hear about that do not persist. I guess that's true. Yeah. But there's there's some pretty horrific stuff that has come out even over the past few years that people were all collectively disgusted about and then you forget immediately like um, that guy that well there are a few guys that um, do a room type thing where they're like there was that guy in Cleveland that kidnapped those girls and kept them imprisoned for years. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that like haunted my nightmares for days. And now like day to day, like if you were to mention it to someone, they'd probably be like, oh, yeah, yeah. that was terrible. Mm-hmm. So I think the movie anticipates that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely call it a, a horror movie, uh, too. It's pretty horrible, the things that they show you. Yeah. And I mean, I love watching horror movies and this movie and several other movies will stay with me for a good couple of days where they'll really bother me, but then they go away. It's fine. Yeah, this movie does... Yeah, it's got a reputation as a pretty cerebral thriller, but the most disturbing parts are just so concerned with flesh. Like, they're (laughs) very corporeal horrors. Almost Cronenbergian. And in several ways. Oh, yeah. The body horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things stitched into flesh. and Yeah, and yeah. I I don't know if it's because of just the pacing in the movie is kind of weird, I think, among the sins, um, where I think it spends progressively less time with each murder. I didn't clock mm-hmm. it or anything, but we spend a lot of time with the fat man. And it's sort of just like, bathe it in, everybody. Look at it. This is what you're (laughs) in for. Mm. Um, There's a bucket of vomit. 
Yeah, what did Brett? What did Mills think was going to be in that bucket? He sticks his <laughs> blood. He's like, "There's a bucket. I'm going to stick my head right into it." Oh, oh it's no. puke! Like, even if it wasn't puke, no matter what it was, it wouldn't be something you wanted your face in. Yeah, not no. in that apartment. Nope. That place was. Oh yeah. The yeah. yeah, the whole place had to smell atrocious, and um, yeah, there are all sorts of visual cues that tell you uh, how that hint at the other sensations like when you're in the the sloth guy's apartment they have all those little pine trees hanging down so even though you can't smell it viewer you know it's nasty like i think i covered my mouth when they pulled the sheet off of him and all the all the swat team are like oh yeah that's pretty bad (sighs) yeah it's the closest i've ever gotten to smelling a bad smell in a movie yeah. Which, yeah, I'm not sure why rough. he chose the air freshener trees as, <laughs> as what what would mask the smell best. There are several other solutions that I, would have worked way better. I feel like that was definitely a moment of irony on his part. I, I feel like he was being sarcastic with those pine trees. Yeah, yeah uh, probably. Uh, that was my impression of it. Mm-hmm. That they're cheap, disposable. They're not that cheap. <laughs> they're not. I I don't know. I guess you're right. I don't find them very good smelling, so I don't know. They're terrible. They just add to the stink, which is yeah. another way of torturing that victim. Oh man. Yeah. Basically, you get a a cherry or pine smelling dead thing. That's mm. that's all those things will do. So, um Jenna, which sin slash murder did you find most disturbing? Sin slash murder? Are you saying like in the context of this movie? Which oh, one? yeah. In, in the movie. <laughs> that's why I like it, it's a sin. So you could pick a sin that's the worst sin. But I know I mean specifically the way the sin was represented in this movie. Without a doubt, lust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i was thinking that would that would be pretty much everyone's answer yeah um just everything about it everything about it repulses me uh on the face of it the punishment who's being punished see mm-hmm. like the fact that lust is not that bad a sin like in mm-hmm. um in the inferno lust is the very top layer of hell like the least bad um they just get blown around by a strong wind uh, oh yeah um it's kind of cute but <laughs> comparatively yes <laughs> yeah swimming in feces yeah but um just everything about it like this is not a victim who if to the extent that any of them deserve to be punished the, the mm-hmm. victims because obviously the the man who did it also mm-hmm. was being punished yeah um, i'm not sure what that was that I guess the two of them needed to be involved for lust to work both ways. Yeah, can't have one without the other. Yeah, I guess so. But well, yeah, he was real messed up after that. Yeah, this is one that says more about, of course, they all say a lot about John Doe. But this one, almost like, maybe I'm reading too much into it. But if you know a little bit about the like the context of the Seven Deadly Sins, this one really shows you how perverse and perverted John Doe himself is. Like, yeah. Yeah. Somerset's got, both of the detectives, I think, know that, you know, they've, they've got a read on John Doe. Um, mm-hmm. Somerset expresses it more new, in a new, more nuanced way. But like, this guy's 
doing it because of his own issues. He's not going yeah. to buy the book, even though he has all these notebooks. He's a perv who hates everyone, probably especially women. Yes. And himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he gave himself a nice, spoilers, nice quick way out. Yeah, right. Yes, he gave he himself the easiest, most painless out. And Brad Pitt and the lust guy, probably the worst. Yeah, I would agree. Although, I think in a close second would be the sloth guy. Oh my god, I was going to yes. say, the sloth guy, I, I, I Ooh, mean, man, for a year, that guy was tortured. Yeah. Like, oh man, that's rough. And he was still alive, and he ate his own tongue, and his brain was mush. That's pretty bad. Yeah, I can't decide which one of those two is more fucked up. <laughs> I think well, I think lust is more, but sloth is very close behind. It. Well, like Somerset says at one point, imagine the will for to for a year to keep that guy alive, mm-hmm. like go through that process. Yeah, he's and very the, committed to his craft. It's awful. The sloth one also bothers me because it. I don't think that that guy was slothful. He was, in <laughs> John Doe's words, a drug dealing pederast. He was like, a, mm-hmm. a drug dealer, a drug dealing pederast, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was just, that was the cherry on top for him. Yeah, that gave him full license to do whatever he wanted to. Him. Yeah. But, I mean, that's not particularly slothful, is no. it? Like, you could have found a lazier person to I punish. Guess, I guess the, he would probably say that drug dealing is, is an easy way to prey on people and to make a, a living in the world. Yeah, and... I suppose. Yeah, and sloth, I think, is like a crime against work, traditionally. Um, right. So I guess that's it, like misusing your labor potential by selling drugs is a way of, you know, you might as well not be doing anything at all if you don't know how to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that one was super gross. And I found that in my memory, a few of these sins slash murders kind of blended in together. Like I... <sighs> They they all sort of have the frame of like oh, there's a <laughs> there's a person in some horrific circumstance who's framed in like the center of the screen and we're approaching them in this gray palette. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this person's being tortured in some horrible way. Yeah, David Fincher definitely has that that sort of dark streak to him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he likes to not only get to that dark place in a philosophical manner but he also likes to do it in kind of a physical like <laughs> i want to gross you out sort of manner <laughs> yeah like i'm thinking of i think of the scene in fight club where he burns his hand with like the acid the acid mm-hmm. yeah like that kind of thing well the fight club in general the physical abuse of one another mm-hmm. um to exercise your frustrations yeah apparently really appealed to david fincher as a <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, a concept. He's a weird guy, I think. <laughs> I would say so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you go back to his er- early work, like Madonna's Express Yourself video, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, exploitation of the male body for the capitalist system is ex- extremely apparent. I think that's it's abusive. Mm. It's mentally abusive to all who view it. It's it's exploitation by the system mm-hmm. that we ourselves perpetuate. <laughs> This is exactly the conversation he wants us to have. I'm sure he's listening. (laughs) (laughs) He's very pleased. He'll hear this eventually. 
So, guys, overall, what do you think? Uh, should people watch this movie again, or should they just leave it in the box? <laughs> <laughs> Always leave all boxes sealed. Except this one, because it's a good movie. <laughs> but, but also... Uh, I feel weird about telling anyone to watch this movie because I know they're in a world in for a blah. they're in for a world of existential crises. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about about this movie as Somerset does by the end of this movie. Like mm-hmm. uh I would participate in it again. <laughs> what is what is the Hemingway quote that he says? Uh, the world is a oh the, the world, world is, is a, a beautiful place and worth fighting for and worth fighting for yeah i agree and with the second part yes um yeah i i feel the same way about about this movie i think just because it's well done it's well made i appreciate it from those perspectives um and i like it myself but it'd be difficult to recommend this generally to anyone <laughs> Um, I would have to know that they were sort of into the subject matter for for pointing them in this direction. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'd have to put them to the test and then you'd know. <laughs> oh, if man. you make them express how they feel, then you'll know <laughs> if their interest in this movie is real. Oh, boy. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> is this another punishment? Did we do something wrong? <laughs> Your sin was stoicism. You must express yourself. (laughs) Thou shall confess. (laughs) Maybe that's how we should end the show every week. (laughs) Destiny's Child-esque weird thing. So, Kaz, what's in the box for next week? What are we watching? Showgirls! I'm so excited! I'm so excited! I'm so excited! (laughs) I'm so scared! (laughs) Okay, uh, we've come to the end of the road, and I've got to let you guys go. Devin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was an honor. We'd love to have you back anytime. He's all right. Cassie, thank you as always, and I'll... uh, I'll talk to you again next week for more VHS. Woo! I would would like to note that um, for some reason when we do this recording, I get really sweaty.